Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Ben Mullen Project Podcast. Today, I sat down with somebody I've actually known for 25 years, a gentleman by the name of Dave Schoon, who come to find out I met him over 20 years ago at an Italian restaurant in Maryville, Indiana, with a cover band I used to play in. And ever since then, we've just been buds, man. We always kind of hung out in the music scene, although he grew up on the other side of the tracks and I was on the other side of that tracks. We come together to just hang out and talk, and I've been cutting his hair for years now, and we've helped each other any way that we possibly can, and he's turned into a brother. And I hope you just really enjoy this conversation with this awesome human being. Thanks for listening. Dave Schoon, we're doing it. Yes, we are. And we talked about it for a long time, but now we're actually sitting here with microphones in front of our face on my back deck, and we are what they say, uh, going for it. Yes. I was probably just stalling all this time. Were you? Maybe I was. I don't know. <laughs> Do you have a fear of, uh, of being recorded and like, listening to yourself back? Uh, I used to real bad. The older I get, the less I care about that kind of thing. So, you know, not anymore. But I, I, I did real bad for a while. What were some of the things that you would record and hear back and be like, oh, man? Uh, if you ever watch a video of yourself talking, you know, and, and it's not like a structured, you're just talking a lot on video, maybe, you know, so like your friends shot video or something. And I was like, man, you, you sound like an idiot, <laughs> you know, and, and I always, I love radio, um, like growing up, you know, and I always thought I wanted to be in broadcast media okay. and, and I had like, uh, I started a semester at, um, the school in Chicago, the big one, um, Columbia. Did you? Yeah. yeah. Like right after high school? Yeah, for radio and music production. And so I thought, oh, man, I'd love to get into radio. How cool would it be to be like, have a radio talk show and all that kind of stuff? And I think <laughs> I realized pretty quickly, I'm like, I'm, I'm not going to be able to do this. <laughs> Who was your DJ? Who, well, like I, I think. Because we grew up I, in the same area. Yeah, we, we all so listened to the same I, radio I loved, stations. I love the loop early on. Um, you know, Jonathan Brandmeier oh, yeah. and um, Kevin Matthews. Yep. I thought Kevin Matthews was like so funny when I was in high school. Um, I just thought he was awesome. And I think like when Man Cow first came to Chicago, I thought he was awesome too because he was just so crazy. Right. And uh, I thought he was awesome. And he like, you know, he had like live bands in the studio yeah. and, you know, just like. It was it was total anarchy, and I thought it was cool. And then I don't he had know, this it, like heavy set Italian guy named Turd. Yeah. That would just, I was obsessed yes. when yes. that came out. I was yes. obsessed. Yeah, I mean, obsessed. the dude like drove a a, a a Kia into like a brick wall at like sixty miles an yeah. hour or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. just like they would do the craziest things. You know, and I was just like, man, that is so crazy. But people were like really fanatical about it. I just thought, like, how cool is that? You know, today's equivalent is like going viral, right? So like something goes viral and this was the same thing, you know, it's like that show went viral, but like on FM radio 103.5 or whatever it was. And then yeah, later like Q101. 1995 or, yeah, I mean, it was yeah. so many years ago. Yeah. So like those were the, those were the guys, you know what I mean? That I just like, wow, these guys are amazing, you know? 
and and I think they were at one time, um, and, and then you know later on, full circle, like my band played on um, the, the guy from the Loop that I was just talking about, Jonathan Bramwire. No, no, the other guy, Kevin, the, Matthews. Kevin Matthews. We yeah. played on his talk show when he was still on the Loop. That's pretty cool. Yeah, and it was awesome. But live in studio, you yeah. Know, I was like. Wow, it was like full circle moment for me, you know? Like, I love this guy so much, and now here I am, like, I'm here with him. Like, we're talking just like we are now. Right. You know, and I was like, wow, that was special. Music, when music things go full circle, it's just so much, it's right up there with like watching your children being born. It's hard to explain if you don't play music. Yeah, it, it is. Um, people that don't know uh, whether we play music or, or do something on stage. Right, uh, that has like an entertainment, you know, where people are paying attention to you, um, and if you if it goes well, <laughs> it's it, man, it's it can be really addictive. Uh, you know, that feeling that it gives you is awesome. You know, it really does, and and like, uh, I don't know, I I I could, I think it took me a long time after not playing, you know, like kind of giving up on that dream of like really pursuing music hardcore I, I felt a lot of sadness after that you know just like man I really wish I was doing that you know touring or being on stage or recording and creating but mainly like that on stage when you get together and it's really good sure with, like your bandmates it's that is special you don't still have that in you though you're like I want to be a rock star you, that, that died or is it no, still in there and no, you're just I not I feel like a rock star in a different way now how so? Um, just, just in my life, um, instead of like touring and uh, recording or writing music or what, like that part of it. Like I'm just doing it in a different setting now. I'm not. Uh, I'm not. I still am scratching that itch. Like I have a studio in my basement. I record. I play with friends and stuff like that. But you know, now uh, instead of the touring part of it whatever i'm making a living doing something else but like i'm in control of it just like um just like you would be if you were the guy in the band you know like if you were the songwriter and the singer or the drummer or whatever you know like you're i'm 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 doing that now i'm in that driver's seat and i'm driving that down the road right now in my life you know and um it's not as sexy <laughs> You know, it's, yeah, I mean, it's a lot of it's just travelocity and, you know, traveling out and living, uh, doing rock star stuff. But I still have that. I still have it in me. I'm still convinced, like, at one point, you want to know why the only reason why I put all my stuff on, like, Apple Music and Spotify and everything is one day I want somebody to find it. And I just want to get a random email or a random thing, like, you know, and be like, dude, you are huge in Iceland. <laughs> or you're really yeah. big in Serbia. You should come out and play. I still have that that dream of like one day yeah. I'm going to be playing an original band, original music, and I'm going to be playing festivals. Like I still have it in my head. It never went away. It never went away. You should listen to the new, uh, 33 song smashing pumpkins album. Um, it, it is a concept very similar to what you just described. How so? It's a, it's a concept, a concept record, a rock opera, if you will. Yeah. About uh, a character who, um, basically is off to another world and uh he thinks he's 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 a, you know he is a, a an artist a musician but uh realizes that like his music has sort of been like 
erased on on the, the planet Earth, okay, if you will. But then people know who he is and discover who he is through these other channels, and um, they're trying to catch up to him to. Uh, like tell him, hey, you're relevant. Hey, you're loved. Hey, your music's appreciated. You're you're actually really famous. You're really popular. You've helped a lot of people through what you do. Hmm. But he doesn't know that. So he's like he's taking like the march of death like off the planet in a spaceship. Huh. <laughs> yeah. That's weird that I explained yeah. it and it ended up being like the concept for a Smashing Pumpkins record. Yeah. And um, it's it's it's. You know, for me, I'm like, oh, I love the old Smashing Pumpkins music. And so it's like a newer take on uh, on their music. It's not as exciting for me, the music part, but I love the story of it. It was a cool story. I was like, it's very creative, you know, and um, they, I got to be in the mood for him. <laughs> yeah. It's like when Gish came out, you know, I am one. Right. Wasn't that oh, the yeah, it was the first song on that record. And then Siamese Dream. Oh, every single song. Yeah. Like today. Front to backer, man. Cherub, I mean, everything. Yeah. That's the one that had Cherub Rock Cherub right? Rock was the first Ooh. song off that record. And just But he, Billy Corrigan, for some reason, turned into like Michael Stipe for me. I don't know yeah. if it's the shaved head. Yeah, he did. I just can't. It's like it's like blues music. Like, mm-hmm. I can listen to it for about like 45 minutes. <laughs> but I don't, I'm, I'm sitting here trying to remember. When was the last time I was like, Alexa? play the smashing pumpkins i don't think i've ever said it like out loud so when radio didn't work out when you heard your own voice back yeah um kind of the same way okay when we started getting into like four tracks and like recording music at home Mm. i would hear myself talk and i was like somebody needs to friggin kick me in the side of the head and see if that helps yeah and i'm still kind of the same way and it wasn't necessarily the way my voice sounded. <laughs> it was just the words I was choosing to use. I was yeah. just like, man, I'm talking like somebody that has like a fourth grade education. Like yeah. I was, I would right. clam up and get like super nervous. Yeah. And start repeating like words too often. Like I'll, sometimes I'll get down the streak of like awesome. I'll say awesome a whole bunch of times. <laughs> yeah. Like, like a hundred. Yeah. Yeah. Like I got to stop that. That's not good. <laughs> so I'm trying, I'm sitting here. And we talked off, you know, off mic. Like, how did we meet? And because I feel like I've known you for years, like at least on like yeah. at least thirty years. But do you remember even how we even knew of each other in the first place? I think, I think, the way I know it, and it's one of two ways. So the the way I think it went was I knew who you were before I met you. Why? Like, I think just because you were a local musician and I believe you had Bossa Nova at the time. Okay. Um, I think that's, that's accurate. And then you were playing in a group. I think you were playing sax. And, you know, someone said, you have to see these guys. They're awesome. And you were playing out in this place. My, the building's still there. I don't think it's a club anymore. But it had a name like something barbecue or sounds of, <laughs> sounds about right or the patio or something like that. Was and it in Cal City? No, it was in Maryville. It's actually a cool what? stage. Yeah, was I? Pl- yeah, and who was, and who was dude, I playing and with? Like Jerry sh- Clemens? Or? No, I'm pretty sure Danny Georgie was in your band. He was playing guitar. Oh, it was the Glow. Yeah, Buddy Pearson yes, on bass and all yes. those guys. Yeah, yeah. And it was like super funky yeah. and cool and like high energy. Yeah. 
And I remember going in there and getting in there, and I was with a friend, and we just, like, did one of those things where everyone's having a good time, and we were like, oh, man, these guys are, like, so good. And we were just, like, uh, you know, like, holding our mouths up, like, yeah. like this, you know. and That was a band like, of assassins. It was just yeah. a band of assassins. Yeah. yeah. And it was so good, and we were just like, oh, my gosh. And I'm pretty sure... I'm pretty sure I went up to you after that and be like, you guys are awesome. Like, I love your music, you know. Um, it probably introduced myself or whatever. And then I'm pretty sure after that, I came into the record store. I'm pretty sure that's what happened. And then I, like, inter- reintroduced myself. Like, oh, I saw you play or whatever. And, you know, and then I, I think I just asked you for a haircut after that. I think that was it. Yeah. And then I, we had Rob Bernetti was like a... A similar person because of when he owned yeah. the coffee shop, yeah. and it's like that, you know, Kevin Bacon thing. That six yeah. degrees of of, of, of Rob Bernetti, <laughs> I think, is kind of. And I remember one time, like a million years ago, me, you, and Rob went to Applebee's. That sounds right. Uh, for a lunch, and okay. I think it was like I don't know, maybe twenty years ago. Okay. I think we we dined at an Applebee's, but you know, later on in life, like here we are. Yeah, and I just saw Rob Bernetti last week. Did you? Yeah. Yeah, we had lunch together, and it's funny. It's like sometimes, you know, it's like you're so connected to that time. And if you think about it now, how long ago was that? I mean, that's 25 years ago. It had to have been. Yeah, I don't. I don't think I've. Have you going out to lunch with somebody you haven't seen in a long time? I don't think I've ever done that. No, not on purpose. Oh. I'm not like anti or nothing, but that's. Yeah, I. I. I never really lost that much contact with Rob. So, you know, seeing him pretty regularly here and there, you know, um, I'm trying to think too, like, when's the last time I saw somebody that I haven't seen for a long time? I went to a funeral. Yeah. Weddings and funerals. <laughs> yeah. yeah, sure. And that was, you know, it was like my high school best friend called me, telling me that his brother passed away and I hadn't talked to him in who knows, 10, 15 years, you know? Right. And then, you know, ran into him at the funeral and you know it's just strange you know yeah we're also at that age too though yeah where yeah. You, you either see people when people are getting married or when they're yeah. just like mourning like there's no yeah yeah absolutely man uh, and you know and then you get reconnected with those people again you know and i, I, I don't know it, the weird thing was like i had no reason to actually like the the connections of like you know, you disconnect and there's a reason, you know, that you haven't seen it. It's not like it was a hard reason or anything like this. It's like, oh, okay, I can see why this person's not really in my life. Like, I'm yeah, a totally, just totally different shit. person yeah. now than I was back then. You right. Know? So. Yeah, I don't think you can perpetually stay 18. No. No. And and even if you can, like, I just, I don't, I wouldn't know what that would feel like just in general. Yeah. And who would want to, you know? I guess it would depend on how awesome 18 was. Yeah. I suppose I always... Uh, I have this discussion often with my wife about um, peaking at certain points in your life, if there's a peak or multiple peaks, but like the peaking, like the 15 minute factor or just let's peaking. put it this way. Like your highest moment in life was your senior year of high school. You were at your best looking, your most popular with your friend group, whatever the coolest. Yeah. And you just kind of stayed there, you know, uh, you, and I do know those people that have those same friends. They, they've never left that group. They've always, and that's kind of like where they were. They just stayed in that stage of life, you know. It's like and Napoleon I, Dynamite's brother. <laughs> yep. 
Yes. With the football. Yeah, yeah, that was his uncle. Was that his uncle? Yeah, who, yeah. Threw, who, who, who was the quarterback or whatever for college football team. Yeah. He keeps talking about throwing the ball Still over the Still watches it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. He's recording himself all the time. <laughs> it's, uh, constantly. <laughs> yeah. But then, you know, like, for me, I wasn't, you know, I never thought of myself as being, like, cool or having it all together in high school. I look back now, I'm like, man, I wish I looked like that. But <laughs> I... You know, I like myself a lot better now, and I think, you know, my life is way better now than it was back then, you know, no matter no matter what. Um, and, you know, I think some people, whatever, I mean, you know, if you're a really good athlete in high school and you did really well and you won, like, a state championship playing your sport, um, you might hold on to that, like Uncle Rico, you know, and, oh, and yeah. Napoleon Dynamite, you uh-huh. know, is you, you might hang on to that for a long time, you know, or... Later on, when you you're in your 20s, and you know, like, what if Walcott made a platinum selling record and got nominated for a Grammy? Like, you may still hold on. To, yeah, <laughs> hold, I, like, like we're never I, letting go of this. I, you know? I would walk around with it. Yeah, I'd walk around with and, it. And I'm not saying like I I've peaked or I maybe I already peaked or maybe I will peak, but. You know, it's good to go through your life where maybe you're peaking at different times. You know what I mean? Like, being the coolest kid in high school is not a great thing. You know, it's really not. It's not where you want to be. Like, you want to be, you want that to happen way later in your life. And and it's not, in the, you know, obviously it's not in a high school setting. But, you know, you, you don't. Oof. God, I can't even remember high school. <laughs> I can't. No. No, it's weird. No. I, I yeah, I, I can remember it, but I... I had peaks, though. I had yeah. times where I was just like, oh, this is amazing. It was all through music. Yeah. I did Smells Like Teen Spirit my senior year at uh, the stage show. Uh, like a talent show? Oh, and it was amazing. I had a really? mosh pit. Oh, really? I had a pink PV Tracer guitar and like a 215 PV Bandits. Yeah. Like that was... Yeah, yeah with the dis- like the distortion switch. that you, The you foot plug, switch. Yeah, plugged into the back yeah. of the amp. The, and the foot switch, the chorus, and, and the... Uh, two channels, the clean super channel. Super heavy digital delay for no reason that I never used. <laughs> Yeah. But that was that would be considered like a peak for me, I think. But I don't know. It's hard to look at it now, though. Like even like I, I look back at like accolades and stuff, mm-hmm. and it's like I almost don't remember it. I don't mm-hmm. know if it was like a PTSD thing, mm-hmm. but when I try to retrace like adolescence, even like right now with like working on a book and stuff, there's just areas that I just I don't know what kind of guy I was. I know what the pictures look like. Yeah, I can tell. Like my freshman year, I did a lot of shopping at merry-go-round and like DJs. I think I was the kid that was always trying to find identity. And yeah. then for some reason, right around like maybe junior year, music kind of really got into it. And then I started to find like my own identity. Yeah. I always find now when I listen to music or any kind of art in any way, whether it's like movie, TV, uh, music, sometimes. Uh, in one of those mediums, I, I will be transferred back to a moment of who I was through whatever I'm viewing or listening to. Um, and it, it brings you back to a certain feeling. I, I saw uh, last night I was watching a show for the first time called The Bear on Hulu. And there was a really like intense moment. Uh, and, and the guy's going through a lot of stress. And he's taking uh, a bunch of antacids. Like it's just a easy grab for him like on his desk and he's putting him in and I was like man I think I remember being like that at one point in my life I felt really really stressed out 
And I can remember like t- taking an antacid like every day, like in the middle of the day. All of a sudden, I'd be like, "Oh my gosh, I have heartburn so bad." <laughs> Harper from stress? Uh, yeah, yeah. Because I, I mean, I don't know the the biology behind it, but uh, the physiology. But I, you know, like you're working up whatever the acid in your stomach, and it's coming up and causing heartburn. I don't. I haven't felt stress in a, it's been a minute. Ever since I got stopped being like self-employed <laughs> and like having a lot of responsibility, it seems like a lot of that shit went away. Yeah. It seems like it at least. Yeah. Now, were you, okay, question. So I'm from Kell City. Were you born and raised in South Holland? Lansing. Lansing. Yeah. So connected, you know, right there. So I think Kell City and then, is South Holland the buffer between Kell City and Lansing? Uh, yeah. It's like a triangle. Okay. It's, it's like, like a triangle. They're kind of all connected. Do totally. Yeah. You just have to yeah. keep on going down Torrance. Yeah. And then you take a left instead of a right when you yeah. hit 170th by American Sales. Okay. Yeah. And then you're in South Holland. Yeah. And then yeah. South Holland, right. it was the community of churches. Yes. Like back in like the 70s and 80s, everything was closed on a Sunday. Yes. Lansing was always like TF South, you know, mm-hmm. TF North was always Cal City. Yep. But one of the things I'd like to bring up is that, you know, your high school that you went to, if I was to take Ileana and TF North, I would probably say it'd be about five miles apart from each other. Yeah, I'd say so. Seven, yeah. maybe. Seven, maybe. Yeah. But to explain the difference of how we were raised and like how we went to school... I'd like to kind of float around there for a little bit, if that's cool. Yeah, let's do it. All right, let's go. <laughs> so, Ileana. Yeah. The thing I knew about Ileana is that when I was cutting hair, and I didn't know that much about it in high school, the only thing I knew about it was that some kid shot the math teacher and didn't get in trouble. Yeah. So, again, that's obviously you know story like that's gonna gonna spread a little bit yeah wow what is this crazy magical place where the kids are shooting the teachers and you know and again farthest thing from a violent atmosphere i'm sure but then also when i had my store and when i had the salon in lansing the kids that went there all looked like just like thoroughbred people it's the (laughs) only way to explain it like the girls were just beautiful the guys were super tall everybody had blonde hair and it was just like, I'm like, where is this? Even yeah. when we had Bossa Nova, yeah. we would have bands come from Ileana Christian, and there'd always be 200 kids that yeah. would come with them. We knew that if we were doing yeah. a Tuesday show with Ileana kids, there was going to be a yeah. couple hundred kids there. I'm, I remember I saw Jane Adds Up. That was an Ileana band, and they played at Bossa Nova. Jane I saw Adds Up packed the place. Yeah. I mean, it was they just totally like, full, dude. Super full. Yeah. And they were great. So I didn't know that much about it in high school, but after high school, I started to put two and two together. And a lot of people that I knew that grew up Dutch all either went to that high school or all knew each other in top of it. So when you were going there, um, what was, what were your thoughts about like TF North and like Calumet City and like all those other types of areas? I've been dying to ask you this. (laughs) So before I was in high school, oh man, I, I like rode my bike you know, so many miles, man, just so many miles on my bike, you know, and as you get older, your boundaries get a little bit further and further away from like your house. You sure. Know? And I can remember I would start riding my bike up to Friar Tux, uh, which was in Cal City, right? It was. Is, is it off of Sibley, maybe? It was on 159th and 
<laughs> Wentworth? Yeah, that's probably right. That's probably right. River yeah. Oaks Drive? No, yeah. River Oaks Drive. And, okay. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah it was yes, right there. Yeah. yeah. So Across the street from Shakey's. Yes, the Shakey's, yeah. right? So I... I used to ride up there with friends, you know, and we play like some. We put like you know whatever two bucks and quarters in our pockets or something like that, and then like play play some of the arcade games yeah. at Friar Tucks. Um, and I can remember like whatever our our opinion of that at the time was like people getting fights here and <laughs> yeah. people get stabbed yeah. and you know you don't want to be here after it's dark out because sure. it's gonna be real bad. And I think that, you know, that later on as I got a little bit older, I started to feel less and less that way. And then I'm pretty sure I would find myself in some of the parking lots of uh, the fine liquor store establishments that were in Kell City oh. before I was 21. Yeah. being like Mishka's and River Oaks. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to put a jacket on and my my dad's army jacket i'm going to try to walk in here and buy beer <laughs> <laughs> have him think i'm military yeah, yeah. miscas oh yeah. yeah yeah and 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 uh i'm sure i bought beer a few, <laughs> a few times there illegally dude i was 15 when i started getting served wow at this place called liquor locker on sibley wow the guy that owned the place i think he was middle eastern or like palestinian okay. yeah. and he just automatically thought he would speak to me in non-english i think yeah. it was arabic yeah. yeah and i would walk in there all the time yeah. with like 200 dollars. i was 15 when i started getting served <laughs> 15 when i was able to drink at the peppies in kel city oh, 15 wow wow that's crazy couldn't even drive yeah we would ride our bikes there with twelve dollars yeah so and i would get miller light and kamikaze <laughs> shots and that was yeah, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, so like that's kind of like what I thought. I thought it was just like it was uh, slightly dangerous, slightly like dirty. You know, that was sort of my impression of like Cal City. You know, like yeah, that's crazy. Um, you know, obviously, I think Cal City changed. You know, whatever migration of white people and you know going to. Indiana or further south or whatever. Sure. Um, but, you know, I I think, you know, my, my impressions of Cal City were always like that dirty, f- dangerous, after dark type place. And, and maybe it still is now today. I don't know. I haven't been through there in a little bit. Um, I, go off, I, go, I, I go out to eat there. Where do you go? Um, I, once in a while, I'll go to this Mexican place. Oh, yeah. Can't think of the name of it. And then I'll still go to, not Mishka's, Pano's. Okay. I'll go to Pano's every once in a while yeah. and just get like a shitty sub sandwich yeah. and garlic fries and that's it. <laughs> well, that's literally yeah. it. But I didn't know that much about the Dutch community. And Ileana Christian, obviously, it was like a Dutch Christian yeah. reformed. Would that be yeah. the, the proper thing? Yeah. I Absolutely, just never, yeah. it was, it was always... It always kind of seemed like it was its own colonized thing, and there wasn't a lot outside of that circle. Yeah, it and it was. In some ways, you know, I'll say that it probably still is. Yeah. You know, they moved to Dyer now, um, but you, s- I have I have kids there. Right. <laughs> I have two kids there right now, and uh, it's a fine school, um, but there is definitely like. You can still see there's there's a lot of like hardcore like blonde hair, blue eyed, you know, Dutch kids yeah. that um there and you know, I 
I think the school is striving to become a more diverse place. Gotcha. I, I think, um, and, and, and hopefully they will. I think it will be good for the school to, you know, if you want to last as a school, right, you can't just stay in this bubble, right, and expect, like, these perfect blonde hair, blue eyed kids to keep coming to, to the school had, they forever. Had a run, and ever. though, man. I mean, like yeah. it was, it was um, again, like it was just this is one of those things yeah. that I knew like nothing about. They were, they were just in the paper, like today. I still read the paper like online uh, because they, their ba- baseball team won the state championship. Damn! And every person listed in the article has a Dutch last name. It's like Vanderwood and. Dykstra and (laughs) De Young. De Young. Yeah. Yeah. And you just go down the line and it's like, (laughs) it's like some things don't change. Right. It's like the same kind of thing. But, um, you know, I, I, I think I liked Ileana, um, because it felt safe to me. Sure. But I think I would have been fine anywhere I went to high school. You know, if I was a student at TF North, you know? Sure. And, and a lot of my friends that I grew up with, they were all at TF South. Right. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know, is did well TF South and TF North were the rivals, right? I guess. Yeah, I didn't yeah. really play sports. I, right. Yeah. So it's not that important. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. So you went to the, the the you went to the Christian school, but then when you would come back, then you would just hang out with normal like public. It wasn't so incredibly closed and diversified that that was like kind of where you went I, and how I you do, stayed. I do think when I was in high school, though, I. I grew away from some of my friends that I grew up with in the neighborhood and started hanging out more with, like, the Dutch kids. Gotcha. You know, that I went to high school with. Although, you know, if you want to get into, like, subgenres of Dutch kids. <laughs> yeah, just that might... You know, like, the thoroughbreds that you were talking oh, about were, were the cool kids in school, you know. Pro they're, athletes, yeah, though. They're, Guys they're, that were, like, 6'5", right. right. just strong jawlines. Right. Like, like, great basketball players. Phenomenal. You know, really good. Um, and then there was like more of like the art kids and the and that's probably more my group that I liked better. You know, like gotcha. I was playing and I had a high school band. Yeah. You know, and and we, um, you know, so that group was just a little different. You know, we weren't the the studs. We weren't star athletes. We weren't. Right. You know, the the best specimen of of you know. Dutchness that you could have. Yeah, no, it was like me in sports. I was the B team. Yeah. When it came yeah. to that, I had my friends that yeah. were basically like just all musicians and, uh, you know, other artists and all those types yeah. of things and kind of kept my hands clean and just graduated and like that was it. But no, I just like, trying to explain to people the differences between some of the areas like on the south side of Chicago and like how it worked. Like you'd have one yeah. area that would be like the other side of the tracks. Yeah. And because there's so many railroad tracks out there. And then you have other areas that would be the other side of the tracks. Because my, my side of the tracks is I couldn't, my mom was just like, no, don't ride your bike to um, to State Street in Hammond. Okay. Like, I couldn't go to State Street in Hammond. Hammond was of, bad? There's a lot of hookers. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it wasn't a place that you would just want to ride your bike, like, if you were a kid um, with certain things on top of it. And then you went from Illinois. When did you come out to Indiana? So my parents um, moved when I was like a freshman in high school to Munster. Okay. So in, in like we were right on the border, we're right on like state line, like one street over from yeah. state line Avenue. And, uh, so, you know, Ileana was still right there. So that's where I kept going to school. Yeah. Same thing. Um, and then basically when I, you know, left my parents' house, I, I just stayed in Indiana. How, and, how old were you when you moved out? 
I think I was 24. Okay. Yeah. And you were probably like 16, right? I'm just that kid. <laughs> I was super young. I was just graduated high school. Yeah. And then I instantly moved out with yeah. a friend of mine that was still in high school. Wow. And then I lived in his garage. Wow. That was converted. He lived in Mokina. Okay. We had a pretty weird hardcore band called Quent. Quint. And then I did it while I was going through beauty school. I bought some tattoo stuff through Tattoo Magazine and just learned how to tattoo. And that was it, you know? But yeah, no, I was like super, super young. Yeah. And not, not common, nor do yeah. I recommend it, but it was... Um, yeah. But, but no, but I came to Indiana. I was 35. Okay. I think I've been in this house for 13 years. Okay. Maybe 14 years. All right. And it was after I was on TV. I just knew I had to move. Plus, I saw a drive-by like a couple months prior to being on Sheer Genius. I was outside smoking a cigarette yeah. when I used to smoke, and I just watched some car shoot up a house. And that was in Cal City. It was right, like as far as like where that swing set is. Wow! Just watch that, the whole thing. That would be scary. Whew. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I think my time is, yeah. you know, that's got to be God at some point. We were just like, okay, I got to get out of here. Yeah. So when I got back from filming, I found this house. Okay. And it was it, not as expensive as I thought it should have been. Yeah. And it just, the timing was there. Yeah. So I just grabbed it, and I've been here ever since. That's, yeah. And it's, it's a great place to be. I mean, you have all the benefits of, of like, living close to Chicago, whatever the benefits those are. Yeah. People, see, people see that different. Yeah, you know, totally. Yeah. It's a good place to go out to eat. Exactly. Yeah. That's why I like it. I, yeah. I love going to eat in the city, um, you know, and, but, you, you know, if you want to see a band... Like if your favorite band, they're not going to come to, you know, the Munster Performing Arts Center. Cedar Lake, live, <laughs> yeah. rancid, yeah. REO Speedwagon. <laughs> hey, you might get that during yeah, the Summerfest, right. but yeah. Um, but yeah, if you want to see rancid, they're going to play Metro or Riviera or one of those venues. You know, they're right. not going to they're not going to play out here. Right. Um, and you know, it's a forty five minute drive, so it's it's no big deal. Like you're in and out, and I mean, it's I, I love that. You know. No, I, I do too. I it's funny. I've been in Indiana for so long right now that when people tell me they live in Illinois, you know what I say? I'm like, why? Like I ask why, yeah. and it's so funny because I lived there for like such a long time. Yeah. But I think I've noticed about Indiana is that Indiana is what you want it to be. It's what yeah. you want to make of it. Yeah. It's cheaper. Yeah. Seems to be a little safer. Yeah. The schools seem to be a little bit better based yeah. upon like the area. Yeah. The only thing I don't like about living out here is half the year. Yeah. The weather, man. It's awful. No, I just can't. I, it's, yeah. That's the only thing where I'm just, anytime, like, yeah, like right now, it's just fine. Like we're outside yeah. on my deck doing a podcast. Yeah. Everything's cool. We're hanging out. It's like one, some people are working. It's one fifteen. This is what yeah. we're doing, right? right? So not, you know, we don't have bad lives. No. However, October rolls around, like November rolls around. Oh. Yeah. I'm not there quite yet. It's usually once we get to mid-January, then I start to turn sour. And <laughs> it's like I don't start snapping out of it till like the end of April. Yeah. <laughs> what is turning sour like for you? Just just like, okay, I'm done with this. I'm done yeah. with how I'm done with the cold. I'm done. You know, I think for me, like, I don't know. When it first turns cold, I don't mind. It, it feels kind of good to breathe that cold air in your lungs. But then... All of a sudden, you know, after you've cleaned your driveway off like two or three times from snow and then like you get kind of that rainy snow and then it freezes and now there's like chunky ice everywhere and you're just like, uh, I don't like this. I don't, I, this is OK. I, OK, warm up. 
I just, it's the, the, I think it's just the overall, like people, I have this woman that I cut her hair, her name's Lauren. She's a psychotherapist. And when I started like speaking and like, you know, give a motivational type speeches and everything, I showed her like my beginning of my PowerPoint. And she is the one that brought to my attention that climate dictates mood. Mm. So you're going to be in a better mood if it's a nice surrounding. Yeah. So part of me wants to see before I die, if dude, there's no way I'm dying out here. If somebody, if I die out here and get buried in the soil or sprinkled ash in the little cow or whatever, I'm going to come back and haunt everybody. Like I no effing way. You're going to die in Arizona. Hopefully. Do you I, love Arizona? I do, yeah. but I like Arizona because of the climate. Yeah. And when I'm there, you know what I see a lot of? The fucking sun. Yeah. Like I actually see the sun. Yeah. And it feels good. And then I see people that are like, that were like my mom's and dad's age, like when they passed away. Yeah. And they look like badasses. Because <laughs> they're just like bronzed and. Because they're happy. Yeah. They're just happy. They're not yeah. cold. They're able to do things outside yeah. and all these other things. So I have to see what it's like to live somewhere else besides the Midwest. Like I've been here my whole life. Yeah. Six months out of the year. No, no place I'd rather be. Six months out of it, yeah. I, I hate. I, I know it's yeah. a strong word, but I just—it's ugly. People suck. Everyone's yeah. sick and meh. Yeah, I've gotten better at going on vacation in the last four or five years of my life. So, I've been taking more of those cold weather vacations where I go away from here, someplace warm. You know, I went to Jamaica this year. When, you know, it was cold here. It was twenty and snowy and terrible, and I was on a beach and it was in the 80s and swimming and all that stuff right and i was like yes like you feel like you conquered like yeah. you actually won something yeah absolutely and so you know uh, so every year now it's like i can picture myself becoming one of those like like around these parts like people who are my parents age or they they find themselves like actually moving somewhere else just for the winter like they get through Christmas and then they're like, pack the bags up and then they go to Florida or Arizona. Right. And then they come back in like April or May. <laughs> and that's it. It's like the, 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 do you, have you ever encountered these people? Are you, dude, you're asking me if I've ever met snowbirds? Yeah. yeah I mean, okay, I, I okay. do. I charge a lot of money for haircuts. Okay. Yeah. Of course I know <laughs> snowbirds. I was really good at blonde and Bob still okay. am. Yeah, yeah. Snowboarding has always been appealing to me but the thing that's unappealing to snowboard is snowboarding is that you have to you got to have a pretty decent amount of money yeah uh to pull off like dual citizenship yeah so i don't know if i would ever if i found like a happy place because right now we got the camper out there right yeah. and we go right. out there and everything's great and we're just like oh this is awesome this is awesome and then you come back and you know depending on what time you come back the mindset's completely different and it changes but i don't think i think if i got established out there i don't think i'd ever come back yeah, I don't think I'd ever be like, you know what I miss? Calumet and Ridge. <laughs> like the way that the traffic was and the road construction and just ingesting all that asphalt and yeah. like all those really just boring kill time conversations yeah. I had at the school pickup line. When wait, I, I don't know if they're... Yeah, when BP dumped all that stuff last week and it just smelled like terrible here for like a whole week straight or centennial park before they centennial park before they capped it (laughs) i mean it's just i i don't know i I like it out here because this area has been good to me i know it's been Mm -hmm. good to you too yeah some of the people are great i mean you're gonna get that anywhere but i don't think i would ever ever step foot in indiana ever again if i didn't have to 
But I think that's anywhere, though. You know, but I'm always I'm always thinking about the future, though, with certain things. Yeah. But I'm not really a big past guy. Yeah. Same here. Same here. I'm always trying to think, like, you know, what's what's a year ahead? What's three years ahead? What's five years ahead? What's ten years ahead? You know, personal stuff, business stuff, and, you know, family. Like, in ten years, I could be in Arizona, too. <laughs> right. We might just do one of these every day. Just gets it. That's <laughs> our life. Let's get together. Let's just talk in podcast. <laughs> no, family is, is a big thing. Um, and I like the way that I'm able to raise our son, Marco, out yeah. here. It just seems to be, like, it seems like this works really well for Marco. Yeah. And I need to put that as, like, the forefront of everything. It took me a while to adapt that mindset. Yeah. I was like, well, Marco will just be fine. Let's just go out there and figure it out. And I'm like, that's not exactly like, he'll be fine. Let's figure it out. So let's just <laughs> sell the house and see what happens. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. That's a tough thing to do. Well, it's, I mean, it's, it's hard to get, I mean, I, I always have that though. Like I've always yeah. been such a dreamer and yeah. such a risk taker. Yeah. And as I get older, the risks that I take are a little bit more calculated. Yeah. I just don't want to, I don't know. I don't want to f up. No, right, exactly. You don't want to. Don't. Yeah, exactly. I I feel the same way. I'm like, okay, don't. You know, if you have some goals, just don't screw things up for like your kids or for your, like your partner. Like, don't do that. Like, you know, try for them. Try to make things really good for them. You know, and I, I don't know. That's that's where I'm at. At what point do you convince yourself that that's what you should do, though? To to move? No, just yeah. to be like, okay, this is this isn't about me. Mm-hmm. This is about us. Yeah. This is about creating like the perfect environment for this, my family. Uh, like this is what yeah. I'm working with. But at what point are you just like, okay, I'm just going to become super patient with this and okay, now I'm going to do it in 10 years. So yeah. how I did it is I was like, I just want to make sure Marco's fine yeah. until he graduates high school. Yeah. I just want to have, you want him to have easy access to me Yeah. the whole entire time. And yeah, when he graduates high school, I'll be, yeah. 59? Right? Well, I... Yeah. Okay. I think so. He'll be in third yeah. grade. He's Is he eight. eight? Yeah. yeah. It's ten years. Ten years, give yeah. or take his birthdays in yeah. September. So... And I look at that, and I make different decisions now because I want to be better when I'm older. Yeah. And I never want to look back at time. Yeah. And wish I didn't spend it the best way that I possibly can. Yeah. So I think I'm grounded here right mm-hmm. now. Yeah. And I think it's just how I just, I surrender to it. I'm yeah. like, yeah, this is just what I'm doing because I have to do it. Cause if yeah. I don't do this, Ange is going to be super mad at me. Yeah. And Mark was going to be effed. Yeah. yeah. And I don't want any of that on my shoulders. No, 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 you don't. I, I think in my mind, if I had like right now, I think I would probably be out in 10 years also. Like, you know, I'd have, my kids would be all, everyone would be, the, the youngest one would be in their 20s and some in their 30s. So, you know, they would have, at that point, you know, they wouldn't need me. <laughs> and and I could go somewhere else that so they could come visit or vice versa, you know, right. if, if we needed to see each other, you know. So, you know, and I, I don't know. I don't know where I'd go, though, right now, you know. I'd. I, I, there's a lot of places I like and I, I am, I find myself, um, I never want to go and do repetitive, like re, 
repetitively visit uh, a, like a same spot all the time. So I, I want to go, you know, see as much as you can. Yeah. Like I've been to California a couple times now. And I'm like, well, I really like California. I could see myself moving there. I could see myself fitting in very well there. I could possibly find that place in Florida. I could possibly find that, that place in Austin, Texas or, you know, Arizona. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's in a different country. Florida during the winter out here is heaven. Oh, yeah. No, it's amazing. The weather is just, oh. It's amazing. Totally. The best vacation I've taken so far is uh, spending, like, five days in Key West in, like, February. And it was incredible. It was just incredible. I, I just walked that didn't have a, a vehicle, um, you know, and just every day felt perfect outside. And I was like, oh, I could, I could live here. You know, I could live here. I could walk a mile one way to get coffee in the morning and then walk back and then like whatever the day might bring, you know? Right. But, oh man, yeah, that really, that was, that was a hard vacation to come back from. Now I've traveled a lot for work, but when I used to travel for work, I didn't see anything. Okay. I saw places that go out to eat that other people yeah. were paying for. A yeah. lot of fucking hair salons. Yeah. Tons. Yeah. But then I just saw like a lot of the downtowns. You yeah. know where I want to revisit at some point? Asheville, North Carolina. Yeah. That's a great place. It is. Yeah. So there's a couple places on my bucket list that I want to check out again just to make sure that the RV is like in the right place. Yeah. But right now, Arizona is like on, on top yeah. of the list. And if Angie was just like, yeah, let's just go, I'd be like, okay. <laughs> but, you know, again, yeah. like, we'll figure we'll, it out. We'll, yeah. He'll be fine. Yeah, you know? yeah. I, I'm sure there's great schools there. I'm sure there is. I've already looked into it. I've looked into <laughs> okay. everything. Yeah, everything. It's yeah. just it's a lot of money right now. And for some reason, everything yeah. just seems to be like super stupid expensive for no reason, especially when it comes to houses and stuff. But, you know, it is what it is. You're just, just a couple steps away, man. <laughs> I've been a couple steps away, like, forever. <laughs> like, it's always just like, well, if I just do this, then, yeah, it should be easier to, to for this to happen. Yeah. I'm going to be 49 in November. And I'm still like, well, I, well, after I do this, yeah, if I was a dog, I'd be way dead. Or, like, a cat. You know, like, now I'm into, like, bird and, like, exotic lizard as far as ages go, <laughs> yeah. if you were to compare yeah, me to, like, an animal. Yeah, you're a parrot. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. <laughs> yeah. Totally. I am a yeah. parrot. But no, I would I would probably get out of here if I was allowed to, because I feel like I've done everything you could possibly do yeah. in a specific area. Yeah. And the thing that, and you'll probably agree with me on here, there's not a lot of stuff to do if you're into the arts out here. No, no, there's not. And you can play in cover bands, or you know, go play at an Italian restaurant or a 3 a.m. liquor license bar, play the hits and everything. But yeah. there's really not there's not a lot of culture out here. No, there's not. There's and if there's one area of Northwest Indiana that is cultured, it's probably Munster, and you're here. <laughs> I don't. Where is it though? I know. <laughs> I know. It's. I think it's just more uh, perception of residency. You know, like I feel like this is a town that was established by doctors and people who had money, and you know they settled here, and then obviously like the hospitals came here. Sure. And um, you know. There, there's some really, really nice old places in Munster. There is. And uh, so I just see that as, like, people who had money tend to be interested in the arts or music or, you know, yeah. uh, paintings. People or, that can actually afford to buy a painting. Yeah, right, exactly. Sure. Yeah. Right. 
No, Monster. I think when when COVID hit, Monster really started to have like its own identity of being more of like a like a major city. Yeah. More of like a liberal community yeah. close to Chicago. It was like an extension of like the suburbs. Yeah. But then the minute you got out of Indiana or out of Munster, then everything completely shifted. So I think like yeah. areas like Munster, Fort Wayne, Indianapolis, mm-hmm. I think that those would be the cities that are just going to be a little bit more on the non-conservative side. Right. And then the rest of the state, like just in general, I think the fall yeah. under a different guide. It's, it's one color except for literally this pocket that we're in. That's it's, it. That's it. So like when people vote, it's like, Indiana is not even a place where presidential candidates come to visit because they know, like, with the electoral system, not going to win. <laughs> yeah, it's not. It's yeah. not. This is a red yeah. state, right? Yeah, you're not if, winning. If you're a Republican candidate, you don't have to come here to try to get votes. No, you have them. You're in. Yeah, yeah you're in. <laughs> you're 100 percent in. Yeah, absolutely. But um, you know, but hey, it, like you said, this place serves us well for for our, for where we're at in our lives. You know, I mean, I very much have like. I have hard roots right now. You know, I'm very attached to a business here and I'm very attached to my kids going to the schools that they're going to, friend groups that they have, you know, friend friends groups that I share, you know, with um, my wife and, you know, so it's, it serves well right now. I agree. And the, and the being close to a major city, uh, it helps for like events yeah. and certain types of things. I think I, the thing that, I've noticed about people that grow up like several hours away from like a, just a downtown area, like a big downtown with like a, like an international airport, you know, like an actual city yeah. city is that they, they gain other things, but the things that they miss out are other people's cultures and humanities. Yeah. Cause it's yeah. not going to really bump into a Korea town and no. uh, you know, right. Roselawn, in, Indiana. There's just right. different, there's just different pockets as far as like what you're able to experience. Yeah. And I think that the more people that you're able to be introduced to, the more cultures and more lifestyles, the more versatile you become as an adult and also the more open-minded yes. that you can because you know that there's other potentials and other ways to do stuff besides yours. Right. And I think, you know, one of my favorite things about being this close to Chicago is the food scene in Chicago. I mean, like tomorrow night, um, I'm celebrating a birthday this week, and so... How old are you going to be? I'm going to be 47. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> I've already turned 47, so we're just, we're a couple days past my birthday. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, so this weekend was like, you know, my wife and I talked, like, like we want to go, like, she's like, where do you want to go for, your, like, your birthday dinner? Like, we're going to have a birthday dinner. We're going nice. to go someplace nice. Yeah, she's hooking you up. Yeah. So we're going to go to this restaurant called Schwa on on Saturday um, and I've been wanting to go to this place for like almost 10 years what is it it's it's it, it's a chef driven uh, restaurant you know the guy's like a mad genius I, I, f- I first became introduced to this restaurant through like a GQ article from like 2009 or something like that and it tells the story of this guy I think the article's titled Kitchen Savant and it's like a 10 page article and it's a huge story and um, so you know basically it tells a story about this guy who's super talented has this like crazy restaurant um, and then one night comes in like the heaviest hitting chefs it's like Thomas Keller and um, 
Charlie Trotter, rest in peace, and I want to say, like, Daniel Balud and someone else all walk in and basically, like, they're like, cook us dinner. And the guy goes absolutely crazy. And I think he just, like, shuts down the restaurant and disappears for, like, two or three months. And kind of picks the pieces back up again and comes back to, like, reopen and have, like, his successful comeback. Now, he's... This place, at the time, when I read the article, had, like... It's like, oh, well, you have to call and leave a number on their answering machine to get a reservation. And so I started calling Schwa, like... And every time I call, the answering machine was full. Like you could, you know, record so many voicemails or whatever that yeah. there was no more space left. So it was like a legit cassette-driven yeah, like answer. Yeah. yeah. So I swear, man, I called for like three or four years and never could ever get through. So I just gave up. I was like, well, I'm never going to eat at this place. Tomorrow is the yeah. day. And yeah, tomorrow's the day. Tomorrow's the day I'm going to eat at Schwa and I'm going to, it's, it's basically run by, um, the head chef is, his name is, last name is Carlson. And then he has like two sous chefs or whatever that work with him. There's no servers. There's eight tables in the restaurant and it's BYO. So I'm going to bring a bottle of bourbon for, for the chef. F and A, right. Yeah. I'm going to bring a bottle of wine for my wife and I to share. And whatever comes out of the kitchen comes out of the kitchen. I'm going to be very entertained that's all i know but that kind of you know like that place exists right there man yeah it's right there it's been there for a really long time right. and the guy's been doing it for a long time yeah which is crazy and and but that's like i love that i love i love that scene it's such a luxury though like doing that shit is such a luxury it's yeah. the it's the yeah it's angie for a long time ago this is before marco was born she got me birthday reservations and took me out to dinner at this place called Ocno's. okay all I know is like the bill was like nine hundred dollars for like two people, and like you sit downstairs or upstairs if you have like a shit ton of money, and it was like a twenty-six course, like small, you know, and the way that the waiter would come in and be like, "Now we are going to have the uh, the elk. The elk was shot at fifteen thousand feet of elevation from a bow and arrow." from this fucking Apache helicopter and this and that and, and we eat it and they bring the wine that was from South America that was raised by you know yeah, yeah. shamans and just the, <laughs> yeah. the, the description I almost kind of felt like I was in like a Simpsons episode you remember yeah. when Moe's turned into M and they had like a, it was like a concept thing yeah. anyways it was okay and then we yeah. got a tour of the kitchen I mean if we spend yeah. that much money they should you know and give you a back rub and then we went home, and on the way home, we got Aurelio's and like had to eat. And <laughs> yeah, then she yeah. left a review about the experience, and then not to, not to go dark. And then three yeah. weeks later, the chef killed himself. Oh. Ooh. Oh, yeah. That's bad. I was like, what a weird experience. Yeah. Like, the, whole, the whole thing was, yeah. just, it was just an odd experience. Yeah. And, and a lot of the fine dining, I think th- those chefs are mad. They're... they're, they're crazy geniuses right and so part of their brain is not it's wired really heavy one way and not right. the other way so yeah. right you have well, the, I think anybody uh, creative though yeah like that overly uh-huh. creative for people to consider you to be like genius yeah. or like brilliant you have to have something that's chasing you yeah you have to you yeah. can't just kind of idle through because I think the difference between being great at something and being brilliant at something is that you just have to be like a fucking madman yeah right absolutely and I think 
that that industry is driven by a bunch of madmen <laughs> that are obsessed with like perfection and timing and uniqueness and creativity and all those things and they you know ultimately like turning out something that's like perfection on a plate you know it's beautiful art that you eat and uh, I, I think it's cool but I definitely wouldn't want to work in that industry no <laughs> no no and my, my wife her she grew up in that industry and you know my father-in-law is like a chef and everything it's like you either know that industry and you know how to like maneuver in it yeah or you do not yeah and if you do not you just stay away from it like i have friends of mine that you know, open up bar restaurants yeah and i always try to talk them out of the the restaurant part yeah. of it and i was like do you have any experience with any <laughs> of that and then you always check back like a year or two later and ask them how it's going yeah They're like oh my god i'm shoveling out so much money and people yeah. are wasting food and blah 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 my yeah. napkins and toilet paper are missing i was like i mean I tried telling you but again everyone's <laughs> Everyone's yeah. got a dream, you know, yeah. and they want to yeah. go do certain things with it. And, you know, so my hat's off to anybody yeah. that wants to do that. But that's, yeah. that's on my list of things to do one day. Own a restaurant? Yeah. Really? Open up a restaurant, yeah. I don't, I don't know if it's going to happen or not, but it's it's on the list. Yeah. Yeah. Where, though? Not here, would you? I don't know. I don't know. I always have this, like, the, the dream idea is to find a place where you have like a kind of a unique setting, like a cool building or something like that. And I, I don't know. I think I would want to have the place that like people, it's a destination for people. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, I mean, um, sure. It's whether it's in Chicago or if it's in Northwest Indiana or who knows where, but you know, that's the place where it's like, Hey man, we're going to get, you know, this isn't the fanciest place in the world. And it's, but it's not a dump. It's, it's just really, it's quality. It's quality and it's consistency over and over again. And so, and in a place that makes you feel special, you know? I would, you know, if you were telling me that and you're like, you know, hey, I want you to consult me, I'd be like, run. Run, <laughs> run like the wind. Just run like no. the wind. I just don't know if, I mean, yeah. I don't know if I'd want, ever want to have a service industry business like ever again. Yeah. Even like hair salons and stuff, you know, because there's high end of anything. It's yeah. basically it's the people that you have working for you determine the quality of where things are at. Like okay. when, when you're the only person in charge, it's a little bit easier to have like quality control. Yeah. But I couldn't imagine at this point in the game having to have other people be responsible for how people viewed my business. Like I yeah. would just, ugh. oh, I know. So I, I brought this for you as like a little gift. Oh, what is this? And uh, I th this might be a good time since we're talking about restaurants and food. And Will Guadara, who is this? So did he, I say that right? Will Guadara? Yeah, Will Guadara. I think Gudera. is how he says okay. it. Maybe. Thanks, but, man. Yeah, no problem. Um, so this book, Unreasonable Hospitality, came out last year, and it was uh, it just really resonated with me. But it's Will's Will's story about how. Uh, he kind of came into the business and eventually became like the partner and like the front of house manager for 11 Madison Park and how that restaurant became the world's number one restaurant um, and the story of how that happened. And, you know, it's unreasonable hospitality, the remarkable power of giving people more than they expect. So there's a lot of great stories in this book about like how to treat people and listening and business practices. And I think I, th I loved it because it transcended like 
you know, the, the restaurant business, if you will. But then there's all these great, like, restaurant stories, you know, where sure. talking about fancy food and fancy drinks and stuff like that. But it's such a great book. I, it was very inspiring to me. And um, I, I have taken some of the stuff from this book now, and I'm, like, preaching it all the time in my job. Like, we got to do this. We got to... <laughs> We got to do this. We got to do this. We got to build the team. We got to like listen to what people want and we got to, you know, be really intentional and, you know, keep, you know, keep being creative, be, you know, be very thorough. Be one of the th- uh, themes that he uses is, uh, the, the uh, it's like a catchphrase at the restaurant or whatever. It's keep it or make it nice, make it nice. Yeah. You know, let's make it nice. Let's make it really nice. Like do a really good job. Yeah. Make, be very thorough. Um, and I just I, I love uh, the stories and 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 his story personally, you know he's he's, he's great. I think yeah. if everyone's working making livable money, then it's easy to have that conversation with people. Mm-hmm. But if you're paying people like an entry level job, yeah. like you know ten bucks an hour, and you're you're pissed mm-hmm. off about the dishwasher, I mean, like, people are making a hundred thousand dollars a year going on vacation buying their wives or significant others like really nice stuff yeah you can have conversations like that yeah just in general yeah it's i mean again you know it's just the the quality of people that you can get on your team are they going to be on board and what's going to motivate them money yeah so if they see other people making money and want to be like them then you're good to go yeah but if you're just going into something and that's not already established right there. It's just, it's a whole different thing. Yeah. Like when COVID hit, like when we got rid of everything and just kind of adopted more of like a bohemian <laughs> <laughs> lifestyle. Mm-hmm. I just, I mean, cause you, yourself and how many employees do you have? Uh, 75. God, so many. I think the most we ever had at one time was like 20 something. Yeah. But again, that's still a lot to manage. I had it's- some making money, but the ones that weren't making money, those were the ones that were constantly having to be replaced or having to mm-hmm. do this and having to do that. Yeah. And then the next thing you know, like you're doing everything by yourself because you, your job ends up being to tell people to do certain things. It's like parenting. Yeah. Like almost in a way. Yeah. But no, it's, it's true. It's, it's very much parenting and you know, I've heard other people that work for me refer to like managing certain people as babysitting Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's like a lot of frustration in that. Sure. It's like the bad parts of parenting, right. you know, the really bad parts of it, you know. Um, and and it's it's tough. I, I think that that's the hardest thing for people in business, period, is managing people. It, you can have, like, really tough customers and they can be, like, really hard on you, whether that's, like, in the service industry or uh, whatever. But I think, like having uh, like constant like the burden of like managing the group of people because even you know like you said you have like lower level tiered employees or whatever like entry level right that aren't making much money and it's like they just turn over man and that i think that's every industry it's just turnover 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 and it's especially probably in um, hospitality and food service and stuff like that. It's like you have, you know, people that work for like a week oh, God. and leave, you know, and you're like, oh, 
We've had people pull knives on us. Yeah. I've had to drop off last checks at police departments <laughs> um, from people. Yeah. So my experience was just completely like, whoa, like never, yeah. never again. Yeah. Even if it was someone else's money and I was yeah. paid to like manage or like oversee something, I'd be like, ah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I just don't know. I don't, I don't yeah. The older I get too, though, I don't know if you're like this too. I just don't want to be bothered. Yeah. I go through phases of that. Do you? Yeah. I I find myself trying to carve out time uh, every day, either in the morning or in the evening, so I can have, like, just some time for me. Like, no one else can be around. I don't want to talk to anybody. Um, I may I may listen to music or a podcast or be silent. Nothing, you know, and, and just have that time. And then I, I'm like, okay. I can go to bed now or I can go to work now or whatever, you know, because um, I, 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 I've gotten over the constant interruption thing. Like I, I come to terms with that. I feel like what I do, I, I have um, come to terms with like that people barging in all the time and like, oh, I need this. I need that. I, this is wrong. This is a problem. Uh, and then I used to get terribly annoyed by that. I'm less so, I, like I said, I think I just learned how to deal with it, like realizing that's really what I do for a living. And Problem solved. But, yeah. But then, like, if I can find time for myself to be quiet and have <laughs> a moment of peace, whatever that looks like. Mm-hmm. And they're not all peaceful moments, you know. Sometimes that time is filled with, like, oh, no, this thing happened. And I'm just thinking about it over and over and over again. And I can't get it out of my mind, you know. And But... You know, I feel like if that happens, then like, okay, I'm I'm good, I'm good now. You know, um, but really, that's what it is. And and I've sh- certainly, you know, if I ever move on or when I do move on from this, that's what I should say. When I do move on from this, <coughs> I won't miss that. You know, I won't miss. You know, people. <laughs> you know, testing my boundaries constantly. Right. You know. Um, and, uh, you know, so I, I, I look forward to that one day not happening, you know, where I can just be like, oh, man, I, I want to golf really bad. And I, I hardly ever do it. But I feel like any time I've ever been on a golf course, my phone's ringing. You know, I'm getting a lot of text messages and I'm constantly distracted by that. And it's usually all work related stuff. That's oh, it's happening. all work related. Yeah, and it's all work related. And so I'm, you know trying to play the game of like you have to concentrate and be calm and all those things to like play golf well and I'm like I can't I I get frustrated I'm like I can't do this you know now now I've got to you know I I tried to play with friends last week and you know I got people messaging me and and like you know one point I'm like hey guys just carry on without me I'm going to be in the sitting here in the cart for a minute you know and I can hear I'm like oh he's working right now you know, I'm like, well, but, you know, so when I do move on, I might get good at golf. We'll see. Gotcha. <laughs> I'm going to be Frisbee golf. Yeah. When I eventually just like stop everything. But I don't get a lot of, I don't get a lot of interaction like during the day right now. Like it's yeah. weird, you know, like when I had, when I had all the, all the money coming in, the, the one thing I lacked was time. Yeah. And it's zero. It's constant. Especially yeah. when I was working for product companies and just like doing like freelance stuff and then still wanting to be a rock star. Like all these all these dreams, right? All yeah. these dreams that I just wanted to pursue. It was constant. 
I'd wake up in the morning and there would be texts from last night that I didn't respond to. Have to answer those. Brush my teeth. Somebody would need something. Then all of a sudden something happens at the house and you got to address that and tend to that and get, you know, get all done with that. Anytime I would travel, anytime I was supposed to enjoy myself, uh, be be a problem. And I realized that people, when they were getting a hold of me, they were never asking me like how I was doing. They were just giving me something to fix. Yeah. Like there was no other form of relationship with anybody that I had at that point. Everybody that was contacting me that had access to me, either they, they just needed something. Yeah. It was just bizarre. Yeah. Constantly. Right? Sundays. Need machines, man. Oh, yeah. hey, I have an idea. Or, hey, can yeah. I pick your brain? I'm like, yeah. oh. Yeah, I love it when someone walks up and they say, hey, do you have a minute? No. And I, and I yeah. it us- that usually gets under my skin. It's yeah. W- when someone says, do you have a minute? And then I'm living the dream when you ask them how they're doing. And then the response is, I'm living the dream. <clears throat> and we oh, can God, talk- I say that all the time. Do you? God, I'm that guy. Fuck. I well, am that guy. How's not, it going? Living the dream. I don't think I don't think you say that. You haven't said it to me. When people ask me how my, I'm very polite to people when I see yeah. them outside, you know, and I'll be like, "Thank you so much." You know, how you doing? How are you? So, some would say living the dream. That's what I say. I say some okay. would say. So I, it's almost like so I, you're, you're putting more thought into that that statement then when you say some would say it's like a third person thing yeah like i'm almost realizing that it could be douchey if i referred yeah. it to myself living the dream no i'm yeah. like some would say so ah no i'm not saying that. yeah you're saying something different but i find and if anyone listens to this and they hear me say this they're gonna be oh he's talking about me when i feel like when people are saying that they're saying like i'm in a really bad place right now shoot me yeah. Yeah. And so when they say that, I don't think they realize that they're saying it. They're just using this thing. But they're, I I don't know. That's what I am picking up when I hmm. have that. And so. Are you? Yeah. So when people are, wor- I, okay, here's why I think that. I've seen this with people that I work with. When they start, when I start seeing them and I say, hey, how are you doing today? And they're like, just living the dream. It is, it is a countdown to when they're going to quit. They're, they're on their way out. They're, when they start saying that. <laughs> I know that sounds funny, but it's No, true. it's not. They're just like, yeah. I mean, it's like, true. Yeah, living the dream. It's not, though. Yeah. And I'm like, I... Sometimes, depends on the situation, though. It comes back to, like, where, where exactly they're at. I mean, I, if you're in Key West, you just got them getting a foot massage, but, and you're about to, you know... But I, I guess when I hear that, I, I, I feel like no one... The people that I'm hearing that from... They don't mean that. You're ready for rain. Yeah. They're, they don't mean that. They're just, they're being sarcastic when they say it. Gotcha. And they're, they're miserable for some reason, whatever it is, job related or something else, you know? Um, so I'm like, when I hear that, I'm like, oh, no, that's not good. Yeah, I'm going to have to, <laughs> Bob from accounting is going to quit. Yeah. Like, he's living the dream. Oh, no. Oh, oh, that's, no. that's interesting. We, we, we got to find somebody. <laughs> I think that, is that, I mean... It is kind of, is that a douchey thing to say? It used to kind of be like, it seemed like that was just like yeah, what you would say. Right. It sounds like a polite thing, right? It sounds like a good answer to the question. Yeah. Uh, in, in a kind of a fun, small talk response. But yeah. I, I, but you see right through it, though. I You're do. Like, I do. I don't, I do not like that at all. It rubs me the wrong way, like really hard, too. Huh. Yeah. So, oh. But in a more thoughtful way, you know, some would say, you know, 
that's kind of a fun response to it because then you're like, you know, some people may observe me as this way. Yeah. You know, I well, don't... what what common douchebag would say is living the dream. <laughs> so I'm going to throw it to them. And I'm going to look at you in the eye when I say it, and then you just kind of take it from there. Living the dream, bro. I'll say things are great. You know, if, yeah. uh, if I was yeah. any finer, I'd be, you know, I, yeah. I'll make something up yeah. with here and there. And, and But no, but you know what's funny, though? When I said that a lot, though, I was being facetious. Yeah. I didn't mean it. It's yeah. just like an easy thing. You know, yeah. Like, oh, living the dream, only working, yeah. you know, 90 yeah. hours a week. My overhead's like <laughs> my overhead's like ten grand a month to keep the lights on. Yeah. I'm great. Yeah, yeah everything's know, awesome. You know, you know what's got to happen in yeah. order for me to like keep the lights on here? You I know gained seventy mean? pounds. Like it, I haven't shit in three days. Yeah. Like I have a bloody nose. Like I don't know what's going yeah. on with my body. Yeah, yeah. I'm awesome. Thanks yeah. for asking. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what do you want me to say? <laughs> I guess it just depends on your circumstance too, though. Right. Because right. depending on what kind of mood you catch me in and ask me how I'm doing, I'm always going to be like I'm alive. Yeah, you know, I'm alive. Right. I, you know, I've been given another day, but I think my, everything shifts. I think eventually, you know, based around like decision making and all that. And yeah. with me, anytime that I was ever in a situation, I don't know if you're like this at all. If I'm in a situation that sucks, I know that it sucks. I don't lie to myself mm-hmm. about it because yeah. once you start lying to yourself about like reality, you're screwed. Like it's just like a big game of catch up. So whenever I'm in a situation. And I'm thinking about it constantly to the point where I'm obsessing and I know it's healthy. I know I have to get rid of it. Yeah, I, I think I lie to myself to a certain point. It just depends, though. It's circumstantial, you know what I mean? Like when you really want something to work <laughs> and then you're like, I'm, I got to make this work. It's, it's, it's going to get there. It's going to get It's like not what? so bad. Like what are some examples? <sighs> okay, so... Let me let me think of something that that I can compare this to. So, um, I feel like if you um, have like okay, so let's let's just pretend. Let's just I'll put it in a business context. It's like okay, okay. you know, we have this. I have this great idea, and I know it's going to do really well for the company. It's, you know, I'm and I'm very, very into this and I want to do this thing, whatever this thing is. And then we start doing that thing and there's costs involved and there's people's time involved and all those things. And then all of a sudden, uh, you know, someone says like, hey, this thing that you are trying to do, it's, it's not working real well for this reason or I don't like this. Um, and you're like, no, no, it's going to be okay. Just trust me. Just trust me. And then you try to like, and then all of a sudden I'll start to come around and I'll be like, yeah, maybe, maybe this isn't the best thing. You know what I mean? But I'll, I'll lie to myself or whatever yeah. that is. Is it like a pride thing? Amount. Yeah, it's I like think it is. Thing. I yeah. think it is. It's like, be. I want to make this work so bad. Yeah. And then. Or this has to work because I'm doing it. Yeah. And the things that I do tend yeah. to succeed. Like you can put yourself in this hypothetical situation where you think that you're set up for success because you've mm-hmm. succeeded in other ways. Yeah. But then when you're actually in it, you can't even failure is just not an option. Yeah. Even though you're failing. Yeah. You're just like, well, I'm just going to grind this out. Yeah. I'm going to stick with this and everything else. And yeah. it takes one other person to be like, yeah, 
dude, set it on yeah. fire. Like, yeah, just pride, get, get rid of it. Pride's a bad thing, man. And I, I, if it's used in, yeah, it depends on how you use yeah. it. Yeah. No, you're right. Yeah. You're right. I try to keep mine at bay. Yeah. Like pride and ego for me is that's, that shit's gone. I, like, I, I, you I, know, I try to have very little. I feel like I go in and out of it. You know what I mean? Like, sometimes I, I find like I can be very prideful and then it's not necessarily good. And then sometimes I find myself like, I could use just a little bit of pride instead of like trying to be, you know what I mean? The way I feel I about it now, like either super modest or super humble, maybe just a little bit, you know? Yeah. And you know, my, my wife is very good at like pointing those things out to me in a very like healthy way, you know, like, Hey, you know, yeah, simmer down here or like, no, you should be proud of that. That's okay. It's a normal thing. You know, it's all right. Yeah. You know, so it's like controlling that. <laughs> I, I think every once in a while I have to remind myself not to have an ego. Mm-hmm. I think, I think pride for me, like I don't, ah, I got even the two of those, even to decipher like what yeah, would be the difference between both. It's kind of right. the same thing, right. like in a way. Yeah. Um, I think ego would be like, well, I don't need to do that. I've already done it. Mm. You know, like, why would they even ask of me to do this? Like, why, what, do you, what do you mean you need a resume? Like, don't you know who the fuck I am? Like, you know, <laughs> things like that. What do you, what do you, you want me to do what? Before yeah. you hire me and pay me all this money, yeah. like, you want me to send you, like, a show outline? Oh, my God, I'm so offended. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, that, I think that would be ego. Yeah. Um, but when I realize I'm going to be that guy, I just kind of swallow it. And I'm like, oh, okay. I mean, yeah, yeah, this is still an amazing opportunity to do what you need to do to, yeah. to go ahead and get into it. But... The pride thing, like businesses that I had, right? Yeah. Like even like, you know, you've, you know, I've had them forever. I'm yeah. self-employed from 21 and now I'm 28. I'm still self-employed. So I haven't had a boss in just about 28 years, wow. which is crazy. Cause I've been doing hair for 31, 28 of those. I've just been <laughs> completely self-employed. That's awesome. You know? yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah, Talk just, to me about retirement, but uh, yeah, it's interesting. And it's, I think the reason why. I didn't lose everything in certain situations is because I had a very good idea of when things weren't working and I was never afraid to walk away. Hmm. Yeah, that's... Because when you walk away from something, then you can do something else. else. Yeah. You can't if your mind's preoccupied. Yeah. You can't. Yeah. Or if you go into it, you're not going to be 100%. And I yeah. think that's what I, I learned is that sometimes you just have to get rid of everything to do something new yeah because you're not doing anything new you're just adding on you're adding something new to what you already have yeah well, that's i mean that's powerful because there's another layer yeah. there's another area where something can go wrong or something else right. might fucking need toilet paper or like whatever <laughs> whatever that case yeah. might be yeah no i know i i feel like sometimes like i might be too driven by pride or fear in some of those ways to say like okay i can't can't let this go. <laughs> I can't let this right. go. I gotta hold on tight. You know what I mean? And I, I, I know I have preached many times, like in in business to the people I work with, and say like, "Hey, we can't be afraid to be in this position of saying goodbye to something, whether that's a person that is working for the company or um, a vendor or um, even a customer." You know, sometimes you have to fire your customers. Oh yeah. If they're if they're bad for you, bye. I, I gotta I gotta let you go. But it's 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 for me anyways. There's a f- certain amount of fear, right? Because like 
things aren't that bad, are they? You know, and there comes the part where it's like, I'm going to lie to myself for a little bit. Are they that bad? Eh, probably not. They're okay. It's that conversation yeah. I had earlier. Oh, Mark will be fine. We'll figure yeah. it out. Yeah. It's just this, you're getting yourself by. Like, yeah. you're convincing yourself of your own shit. Yeah. So, I don't know if the fear sort of pushes on me sometimes and then I can't. You know what I mean? I can't be. I think I. I think I really admire that in you because you. You do have a certain amount of decisiveness. Decisiveness about you that says like, "Hey, I can go and do this. I. I know I can. And yeah. and if you know this thing that I'm doing now is not the right thing, like you know what? I'm going to do something different, and it's going to work out. You know, I know I can make it work out. And I feel like you've told me that over the years many times. Like, hey. Um, You've never been afraid to say, like, you know what, hey, man, I might be actually, I'm, I'm thinking about just closing the doors in the place. You know what I mean? Like, and just either doing this or, or yeah, whatever. no more. And I'd, and I'd always be like, huh, you know? But it's never, like, I think for some people, I think if I were saying that, I would feel, like, defeated by that. And you've never looked at it that no. way. You never look, you always look at it as, like, the new opportunity um, or I need this pivot to happen because of this reason, whatever it may be, you know, yeah. and it's never like a, well, I don't know if this is working out. Oh man, I'm so devastated. And sometimes I, I'm, I don't, I think I'm wired that way where if I feel like something's not working out and we have to do something different, I, I feel like this moment of like devastation, you know, like, Oh no. See, oh. I don't, I don't have emotional attachment to career. I never have. I've always been able to separate the two. Yeah. This is just what I do to live yeah. and like what I do to eat. Yeah. Like there's yeah. no, it's almost like at a primal type level. And yeah. like, yeah, and I tried something because I wanted to eat better yeah. or eat more. Like I just, mm. I want to see if I can make more money doing yeah. something and eventually right. like live the dream and, yeah. you know, just sit there like and just navigate from afar and, you know, write checks and eventually hire a service to write those checks. And you have those, those dreams when you're like an independent, you know, salon owner or business yeah. owner, wherever you want to look at it. But I was never afraid to to walk away. Every once in a while, life just kind of throws you these, like, get-out-of-jail-free cards. Yeah. Like, a staff walk out. <laughs> like, okay, business is done. Let me just quit. Let me just yeah. close. Okay, you got, all right, yeah, you won. Let's just shut this mm. down here. No more money. But then also, like, in times of grief, like, you lose a loved one or something like that. You know, what I've realized is that when people are empathetic towards you or sympathetic, that that's your time to strike. Mm. Look at the, it's like a get out of jail free card. Oh my God, I'm so sorry. Is there anything that I can do? Whoa. Did you just say that to me and I don't have cancer and I'm not dying? Yeah. So that means I can get rid of something because mm. I have empathy. Wow. So yeah. I've done a lot of my major, major things around um, empathy and when people were sympathetic because I had some kind of a loss or some kind of a catastrophe happen. You know, because you can't choose your catastrophes. Everyone's going to have one. Yeah. So oh, yeah. when that stuff would happen, I would then look at that as an opportunity to quit what I was doing. It was like a sign. I'm like, okay, this is not, this isn't it. Yeah. Wow. So what happens if I just don't do it anymore? What's my lease look like? I was always, I always knew how to get out of shit. Yeah. I always knew how to sign a lease <laughs> where like I could, okay, I'll take your space, but a couple months I need for free because I got to paint it and do all this yeah. other stuff. Um, but then, you know, if I'm going to sign a three-year lease, I need to have written in there somewhere 
that if I give you a 90-day heads up yeah. that this needs to be prorated at a certain amount, it's that punk rock Jew brand yeah. I have, you know? <laughs> Otherwise, I'm not going to sign it because yeah. if this doesn't work, you're getting money from a potential loan I have to take out or I have to, like, put a, a mortgage up against my house to pay for this. Yeah. And I'm the kind of guy, I'll set it on fire. I'll pour <laughs> cement in the toilet. I'll put chicken breasts behind your drywall. And you can just, I mean, like, I'll go nuts, you know. So I just, I try the to set it. Chicken breasts behind the drywall. Oh, no. Chicken breasts behind the drywall. And then patch it up all perfect. And then just let it sit there. I've never heard that one, but I, I would live in fear if that was my house. Can you imagine? <laughs> Could you imagine? Oh. Oh, well, man. even when COVID hit, like when COVID hit, we had all those spaces. The landlord was just being a dick. Yeah. And I was just like, well, you can, you know, I'll give you $200 off your, your rent for the month. I was like, bro, like, we're not even supposed to be around people. Like, I own a hair salon. I've been here for 12 years. Like, yeah. being a dick, you know? Yeah, right. So he's like, tell you what, you know, you give me this, you know, relinquish your... Um, your lease and then you know you just get out of it and then i can go ahead and re-rent it and i was like yeah no problem perfect i told angie i was like this is a great opportunity let's get the fuck out of here yeah. you know so before i left i didn't put chicken in the wall or anything <laughs> i had a buddy of mine and the great thing about doing like fancy hair is that you're yeah. friends with all these people it's right? so yeah. a lot of doctors and lawyers yeah. and everything else i reached out to a buddy of mine dan and i said hey he's a lawyer i said can you take a look at this lease yeah he said, yeah. I said, can I get out of this? He's like, yeah, this is what I, how I would counter this, and I'll put something together for you. He's like, it'll just take a second. You don't have to pay me. I was like, nice. He goes, I want you to pay attention to something, though. And he showed me this line that said, needs to be returned back to the original state. And when I got that place, it was a fucking shithole. Oh. Dude. I went in there with this dude named Troy. God rest <laughs> his soul, man. And his son. And my buddy, Hazlett. Oh, yeah. Aaron. Yeah. All the electric that I put in there. All the plumbing. All the building, everything that I put in there, I basically left Just it down to like the studs. <laughs> everything, every nail. Oh, there it is. <laughs> Just how I found it. Yeah. And how I found it, there wasn't even a back door on it. Like it was oh, up wow. there with. And I was like, yeah. I mean, could I? Yeah, technically I can. You yeah. know. And I think like that was it. And then after I got done with that, you know what I did? I mopped the floor. <laughs> Because I'm just nuts like yeah. that, and I'm OCD. I was like, well, when they walk in there, I want them to at least have it smell like pine <laughs> salt and have it be super clean. And I just needed something to take my aggression out. Yeah. Oh, it was epic. Yeah. Feel was, good, huh? Oh, God, I was just ripping down mirrors and just smoking pot in it, <laughs> listening to, like, Sepultura all crazy loud, being like, ah! Yeah, it was awesome. Oh, man. Amazing. Yeah. Like, uh, never, never to look back in return. Yeah. So, again, you know, a time of... Uh, confusion and uh, you know like God gives you kind of like these get out of jail free cards yeah. and that's kind of how yeah. I looked at like COVID I mean like the, yeah. the other move I did before that when my parents started passing away I was like dude I, I can quit working right now like who's mm. going to take care of my like I just I look at tragedy mm. as like an opportunity to do something new yeah. and like a sign that you're not doing what you should be doing mm. and I think that's just kind of like how I've yeah. just kind of lived my life I think Otherwise, yeah. I would still have a record store in Lansing, <laughs> you know? Like, seriously, I'd have the same... I'd still have it. You know, I don't know I what would, I would be doing with it, but... I was just at a graduation party uh, last weekend, and it was in that building. Oh, no way. Yeah. There's, there's like, some kind of, like, cafe yeah, type... Yeah, like a wine bar yeah. type thing. Yeah. And it was in there. And I, I was like, no way. It's awesome. Yeah. Open the door, I'm like... 
I've been in here before. <laughs> so when, when Ryan and I had that, yeah. we were young, you know, and we were just basically, we would listen to music. I'd cut hair in the back. We'd play in Walcott, and we just yeah. had like a bong that just lived on top of a microwave in like the boiler room. Yeah. You know, it was like high fidelity. Like yeah, all totally, the way. Totally. Like completely all the way. Oh, man, I lost my train of thought. Where was I going oh. with this? Okay. So we had these letters that we would put on like you know like classic rock and you know when you're doing the vinyl you know yeah. you put this like fucking thing behind us you can see what genre you were in okay yeah. so we had the sheet back there and one day no one's in the store and we're you know higher than 10 hippies just ripping bongs on the <laughs> freaking back room on a microwave and i'm like i take this and the only words that i was able to spell from the letters that we had left over were wax ass Okay. W-A-X and then space A-S-S. So then I put it on the wall right when you were walking out. So I don't know, years go by. And then that used to be a coffee shop there. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. I think the coffee shop was part of the Dutch Mother Underground, too. It's weird. It's all coming back right now, Dave It all makes sense now. It's oh all my gosh. the trilogy has been complete. I should just press stop right yeah. now. And. I walk in, I was like, oh, no way. I was like, yeah, I used to have the record store here. They're like, oh, yeah, we know who you are. You know, it's Bossa Nova and everything else. And she's like, um, yeah, you know, just the clouds are still on the ceiling and back. We still use it for the water line. I was like, oh, wow, that's cool. We might have taken a picture and, you know, taking pictures and everything. She goes, can I show you something? <laughs> like, yeah, sure. <laughs> and she goes in back and she points to it and she goes, what's wax ass? And I'm like, wax ass is just a state of mind. I said, sometimes you just have to wax ass. So when you're leaving out of the back room, it's anything that's like motivation. So yeah. today, I'm going to wax ass. And that was it. Yeah. And eventually she closed down. Uh, probably after that, she's like, I can't. What am I supposed to do now? Like, this guy just gave me the secrets to life. You know? Yeah, yeah you got to wax ass. You got to wax ass. Yeah. And then that was it. <laughs> now you're drinking wine in it. And yeah. here we are back around. Man. Made it full circle right back to the to the area. Right back to Lansing. The Lansing. Like Illinois. right back to the core of it and everything else. Kel City. Well, man, we got some pretty exciting stuff going on uh, in the future together and just kind of being buds and just like hanging out. But I mean, from the bottom of my heart, though, I just want to say thank you for being you, man. You're a hell of a guy. Love, love, love seeing you. And the fact that I can call you a friend right now has just been epic on so many levels. So just keep on being you, Dave, man. The world is better for having people like you in it. Well, thank you. That's... It's uh, humbling to hear you say that. It really is. And I, you know, I really appreciate you in, in so many ways. And I have for a really long time. I've always admired you. And uh, that wax-ass attitude, man. Sometimes you just got to wax-ass, buddy. Yeah, it's awesome. And um, so, no, thanks, thanks for um, having me, inviting me to come here because it's, it's exciting. It's fun. It's fun to talk. I mean, we always have great conversations, but yeah, you know, put a little bit of it together. And it's different you know. when you press record, though. Yeah, it is. Like there's a different kind of type thing, and it seems like you kind of warm up like after like 45 minutes, but then you go back and listen to it, and you're like, man, that's really good. <laughs> I so, hope so yeah, we'll see how it goes, man. Yeah. So I'll just put together some really awesome intro music. I'll see if I can do some investigating to make sure that the music is just very, very specific. It might involve uh, calling Rob Bernetti and possibly getting some audio files, but we'll just kind of see how it goes. But either way, though, man, uh, much love, mad respect, and thanks for doing this. Yeah, much love to you, too. Thanks, Peace, man. man. You got it. And hopefully after listening to this, you understand why I just truly love this guy. Just a super awesome, awesome human being. And I look forward to the time that we spend together when he comes and gives a haircut. We usually just go rogue. And definitely the conversation changes when you press record and play. 
and you're sitting there with a microphone going back and forth and but I feel like we nailed it I felt like it was a really good conversation we covered a lot of ground one of the things that I'm walking away with that is just the differences of what two or three minutes or miles make from like areas that you grow up on and uh, different experiences like where you went to high school and opinions of when you were younger and it's just fascinating how age just has a way of working everything out. So, Dave Schoon, thanks for everything you do, man. The future's looking bright. We got to wear shades. And thanks for listening to the Ben Mullen Project podcast. And ciao for now. Peace. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.